0: So, come to God's Word, and uh, we're going to be thinking uh, slightly differently about the communicating God's Word today, and uh, we're very thrilled that some of the creative gifts that uh, Jeff Payne has got is uh, is going to be used this morning to communicate a very uh, powerful story. He's going to present uh, a story from the Old Testament. Uh, Probably like uh, we've never seen it before. And the story involves a prophet, Elijah. Elijah, one of the greatest prophets, like Moses. And in this story, Elijah goes from the height of his career at Mount Carmel and quickly spirals into exhaustion and depression as he walks into a desert wanting to die. So we watch now and see how God deals with Elijah and encourages him to turn his life around. And yes, in this story, God does, as we know, have a sense of humor. So to you, Jeff.
1: This story, ladies and gentlemen, is from the Book of Kings. Interesting fact, Did you know that if Elijah was alive today he would have been a runner in the Olympics? Elijah was elated. He was running ahead of Ahab, the king of Israel's chariot, and he beat him. He, an almighty God, had just delivered a knockout blow to the priests of Baal in the battle of the gods on Mount Carmel, in their grand fire-lighting competition. Oh, there it is to prove who the real God of Israel was. It was a spectacular result. One nil. Unfortunately, the crowd had gone wild with excitement. They burst through the crash barriers and they slaughtered all 450 priests of Baal. Not a pretty sight. That hadn't been In Elijah's plan, Queen Jezebel, oh, what would she think? She would be furious. And she was. Next day, ping, ping, on his phone, hate mail from Jezebel. You'll be dead in 24 hours, it said. Revenge for killing my priests. At this, Elijah became mighty scared. Race out of town, he did. Went south, hardly stopped. At Beersheba, took a left turn into the desert. Depressed he were, done his best he had. Bad enough, that's it, he said. I'm better off dead. And fell exhausted under a solitary tree. And there he slept. When Elijah awoke, there was a wonderful smell of hot bread. Expect you're hungry, said a young man dressed in white, with an apron tied round his waist. (coughs) How did you find me, muttered Elijah? No one knows I'm here, and currently I'm trying to die. God knows you're here and how you feel. He sent me with orders to get you fed. Why? Because he's got other plans for you. More plans? I've not done enough. Dunno. Uh, So, young man, what are these plans? Dunno. I'm only the chef. You'll have to ask God. That's why you've got to eat up for your long journey ahead. Journey? That's right. You've got to meet God on Mount Sinai. Sinai? Down there? That's miles away. Yep, the same mountain where Moses was spoken to. By God, through the burning bush. Here, drink this up. It'll make you feel better. What is it, medicine? By God, that were good. (laughs) What is it? Angel water. So you're an angel? Yep, you've got it in one. Well, that freshly baked bread, it was simply delicious. Divine, in fact, whatever the ingredients, it kept Elijah walking for 40 days until he entered a cave under what he hoped were the right mountain. And there he slept for the rest of the night. Elijah 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 recognise the voice. Oh so you found me, all powerful god? Yes. What are you doing here? What am I doing here? That's what I said. But I thought. Oh never mind. Hang on. I've worked my socks off for you, God. Opposing idols the Israelis now worship. Your people have broken their covenant with you. They've pulled down your altars, murdered your prophets. I'm the last one left. That's why I'm here. They're after me too, you know. I know that. But wait! Elijah didn't see the smile on God's face. Now, says God, go outside, climb the mountain. There's something I want to show you. But watch and listen carefully. Very soon, from nowhere, a force 10 Typhoon hit the mountain. Rocks were pulled loose. They fast disintegrated into tiny fragments. Elijah listened. The God's voice was not in the wind. Next up, the earth rumbled and shook. Then the ground gave way. Instead, now a huge gaping gap. Scary stuff. Interesting fact. Did you know that this earthquake was on very high, on the Richter scale? Elijah listened, but God's voice it was not in the earthquake. Suddenly, on the slopes, all around, bushes burst into flames. Elijah, expectant, heart beating past, like Moses before, eyes probing into every bush. prophet listened, but God's voice was not in the fire. Hmm. Mystified he were. Remembers angel in desert with orders to meet God. Says he had plans to tell. Elijah obeys. Covers face with cloak. Now motionless continues to listen. Only silence, stillness. And in this stillness came a small whispering wind, which morphed into a quiet whispering voice. Why are you here, Elijah? What? I I don't believe it. But wait. G- Elijah hadn't seen the smile on God's face. <clears throat> My Lord and all-powerful God, I thought, wait. Are you winding me up? I've worked my socks off for you. Opposing idols the Israelis now worship. Your people have broken their covenant with you. They've pulled down your altars, murdered your prophets. I'm the last one left. But I've already told you this. That's why I'm here. They're after my guts. I know, said God, but I want you to return. Return? Are you kidding? I won't. They'll kill me. Not to Ahab's land, replied God. To the northern kingdom, to Damascus. You'll be safe there. Oh, Damascus. That's different. Why, what's the game plan this time? You are to appoint two kings. And? And what? An assistant for yourself? An assistant? (laughs) For me? Well, thank you, God. You mean that? Yes, I do. Oh, things are looking up for it, thought Elijah. Who is it then, this assistant fella? He's called Elisha, a farmer, to be found in the village of Abel Mahola. Abel Mahola? Why, that's near my home. Explained the prophet, and for the last time, Elijah didn't see the smile on God's face. Okay, I'll do it. It's a deal. Are you said something about kings? In Damascus, God instructed, appoint Hazael, king of Aram. Then appoint Jehu, king of Israel. King of Israel? Wait, what happens to King Ahab? Elijah listens. This was God's answer His days are numbered, as are Jezebel's. Jezebel's? Yes! Interested, fact, God hasn't finished speaking yet. Oh, sorry. As we're talking numbers, God said, there are 7,000 of my people who have never bowed before Baal. 7,000? You kept that one quiet, Lord. Ah, well, from where I am, Elijah, you see the bigger picture. So, Elijah was no longer alone. Elijah was no longer afraid. Just a minute before you go, Lord. Any chance of another loaf of that heavenly bread of yours? I've got a heck of a journey to do for this new mission of yours. Elijah listened. There was only silence this time. God's voice was not in the silence. Oh well, but I've got to get back to work, haven't I? (laughs) Better get going. Thank you.
2: Well, as they say, follow that. Shall we just pray together? Father God, as you spoke to Elijah through that still, small voice, we pray this morning that in the quietness of our own heart, you would speak to us. May we hear your voice. And as with Elijah, may we be redirected In your purposes, for Jesus' sake, we pray. Amen. Now, here's a question for you. Why are you here? Why are you here? It's a direct question, it's a punchy question, and it's a bit intrusive. There's no small talk, there's no introducing the subject, there's no sensitivity in the question. Why are you here? Now, you may be able to give some sort of superficial answer. You may talk about Sunday observance. You may talk about your habits. But fundamentally, what's the answer to the question, why are you here? It's a question that God asked Elijah, and he asked him twice. Why are you here? Elijah, why are you here, God asks. He's talking to a broken man. A man who, from the height of Mount Carmel, is now hiding in a cave on Mount Sinai. At best, he's frightened and sorry for himself. At worst, he's depressed and suicidal. The courage which goaded 450 prophets of Baal and commanded the fire to fall on the altar, that's evaporated. And God asks him, why are you here? To me, there's more than one meaning in that question. Why are you here? I think it's less about the place Elijah's in and more to do with the state he's in. Less to do with the place and more to do with the state. Elijah, why are you here, frightened, hiding, suicidal? Why are you in a state of despair? And Elijah pours it all out the queen's out to kill me, Israel has rejected you, and I am the only one left. So maybe what Elijah needed was another dose of the spectacular, another fix of fire and drama, another demonstration of just how much greater God is than his enemies. So God gives him that dramatic spectacle, a hurricane, an earthquake, a firestorm, It's the power of God, but it isn't God Himself. Of course, God can do the spectacular. It's what Jesus' followers wanted to see. They want to see miracles, healing, signs, and wonders. But that's not where God is heard. God is the God of the personal, God is a God of the intimate. He comes alongside us, but He comes in quietness and tenderness. And that's what a beaten-up Elijah needed to hear. The Old Testament translators have some difficulty in translating exactly what it was that Elijah experienced. Some translators uh, translate it as silence. Some as a whisper. Some as a still, small voice. But it's not for us to worry about how it happened, but to focus on what happened. Elijah had an intimate, life-changing experience of the Almighty God. Miraculously, he experienced God's presence, God's forgiveness, his love, and his restoration. It's in the inner quietness that God does his business with us. It's where awareness comes. It's where listening happens. It's where change occurs. It's in the stillness, it's in the peace, It's in the intimacy of the presence of God. Our lives are full of noise. Telephones going off, people talking, children playing, televisions blaring. And there's other noise, the noise of worry, the noise of responsibilities, the noise of tasks to be done. Noise, noise, noise. And God says, stop, be quiet, be still and listen. It's not quietness for its own sake, it's quietness with a purpose, it's quietness to listen. Are there times in your life, times when everything is turned off, everything is put on hold, time that you can listen to God? Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Stop, unplug, switch off, be still. Isaiah 30, in quietness and trust is your strength. Do you listen to God? My first car was a little maroon Mini. It had a sporty little steering wheel. It had a rally seat in it. But it only had 34 horsepower under the bonnet. Those were the old days and I thought it would be really cool to fit a radio. So I bought one, wired it in, but try as I might, I could never make it work. Never that is, until someday, a guy drew straight out in front of me and I gave him a great blast on my Fiam air horns. Oh, it's all coming back to you lads, isn't it? I blew the horn and a funny thing happened, the radio came on. I'd wired it into the horn circuit. I'd solved one problem, but i gained another, because I couldn't hear the radio unless I hit the horn. You can't listen with a lot of noise in the background. And there's a difference between hearing and listening. You're hearing me this morning because we've got loudspeakers, so it helps the noise to be projected. But if you're like me, you may struggle to recall what was said just five minutes ago. You hear, but you don't listen. Volume helps hearing, but quiet helps listening. You ever, ever taken a phone call, and it's a poor quality line, and there are others in the room who are talking, and you say to them, shush, be quiet. I, can't, I want to listen. I want to hear what's being said. Listening often requires quiet. Quiet to understand, quiet to digest. And if we go quiet for a moment and you concentrate on listening, you can detect other things that you wouldn't normally know are there. You can hear the odd rustle, the voice of a child, the sound of a fan. The distant hum of traffic. you only hear it because you're quiet. with me droning on I drown it drown it out. If we listen to God to listen to God we have to be still and be quiet and it's why we call a time of private study and private prayer a quiet time time to be quiet so we can listen and to be still. Last week we sang, that great hymn, Dear Lord and Father of Mankind. And do you remember there's a verse that starts, O Sabbath rest by Galilee, O calm of hills above where Jesus knelt to share with thee the silence of eternity. Those first two words together, Sabbath rest. When you get to Hebrews, the word Sabbath rest talks about the completed work of Jesus. But if you go back to Exodus, sabbath rest means a day set apart a day that's holy a day that's quiet remember the sabbath day to keep it holy time to be taken out of normal routine time to be spent with god one day in seven a day not to be filled up with sport and television and shopping and parties but a day to be still and know that i am god a time to be separate a time to be holy a time to be quiet If you don't feel that God seems to be speaking to you, could it be because you don't give him the quiet space in which you can listen to him? Where God comes to Elijah in this holy place is a place of quiet and a place of God's presence. And I wonder sometimes when, do you remember later on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is there transfigured with Moses and Elijah. And I sometimes wonder if Moses and Elijah were comparing notes at sitting in a cave on Mount Sinai listening to God. Maybe one day we'll find that out. But how does God come and speak to us today? How does he speak into your life, into my life? Occasionally, dramatic events grab our attention and God does speak through those. But God is not in the habit of shouting. If we're on his wavelength, we will realize that he speaks to us in a still, small voice. Many people shout to be heard, but God isn't one of them. I don't know about you, but I don't like people shouting at me. I prefer somebody to talk in a quiet, measured voice. And that's how God speaks to us. He wants to have a conversation with us. He wants to talk with us. Isaiah chapter 1 says, God says, come, let's reason together. And for us, it's God, the Holy Spirit, in our hearts who comes and does that speaking. It's God's Spirit dealing with our spirit, speaking to us, correcting us, teaching us, encouraging us. And the result, Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah says, Those who wait on the Lord, in other words those who spend quiet times with him, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint. As you listen to God in the quietness your soul is nourished. I can remember a few years ago climbing Snowden, and very near the top we looked down down a sheer drop, maybe 2,000 feet. And as we looked down, the clouds were rising up on the updraft. And it reminded me of the the Welsh name for Snowdon, which is Erori, which is Kingdom of the Eagles. It's where the updraft bears the birds of prey up into the sky. Almost effortlessly, they soar. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. That's what happens when we listen to the whisper of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. I heard this week that a schoolboy, a schoolboy's mum had put a picture of him, his school photograph, on the staircase of their home. And as a bit of a prank, he decided that he'd swap his photograph with a photograph of Kim Jong-un. Two weeks have passed and his mum hasn't noticed. (laughs) Do we miss the very thing that's right under our nose? The whisper of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. God is speaking to every one of us and the question is, are we listening? We may have listened in the past, Elijah was really listening on Mount Carmel. He did great there, but that was another day. What about today? It's today that God is speaking. But are we listening? Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow hasn't yet arrived. Today are we listening? Even if we have no relationship with God, he still whispers in our ear. He assures us that he loves us. He speaks to us of our rebellion and sin And he talks to us about the hope of a future that he will give. You may have committed your life to Christ, but right now, like Elijah, life might be on top of you. And you might be sitting, feeling sorry for yourself. And the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, what are you doing here? Why are you in a state of despair? I haven't saved you and called you, to be sitting down in the spiritual dumps. I've called you with a purpose. Get up and get on with what I've called you to do. Church isn't for passengers, it's for disciples. So how does God speak? And how do we listen? In my experience, there are two primary ways that I have heard God speak. I've heard God speak through other godly people. And I've heard God speak as I've read the Bible. When Belinda and I were moving from London to Yorkshire a number of years ago, we stopped in Leicester on the way up the M1 to have lunch with the uh, pastor of Belinda's church when she was a child. He's a lovely man, slightly eccentric. And he asked us where we were going, and from his expression he could tell he had no idea where we were going in Yorkshire. But he waved his hands and he said, wherever you're going in Yorkshire, you must go to Bill Dyer's church. We quietly smiled. Yorkshire is the biggest county in England, four times the size of Gloucestershire. It is God's county, isn't it, Graham? I have to admit that. But we didn't smile the next day when, walking around the local town, we passed the local church. And on the notice board, it said, Minister, Reverend Bill Dyer. God can speak to us through godly people if we will be quiet and listen. And God speaks to us directly through the Bible. A few years later we were in that church and I got offered a substantial promotion at work which meant moving back to London and we felt that this was probably a test from God. Would he ask us to abandon the work and the church that he placed us in for the benefits of a lucrative work promotion? Surely God would want us to stay. And even though turning down job promotion would probably mean having no job at all, we decided God first. But then, as we read the Bible, we read about Abraham being tested when being asked to sacrifice Isaac. And when God saw Isaac's willingness to relinquish everything for God, then he gave him back what he loved. And we moved to London. And on the first Sunday in our new church, I spoke to the pastor's wife and she held my hand with a grip. And with tears in her eyes, she said, we've been praying for four families to join us. We have two, you are the third. And two months later, those four families sat together in the front pew of the church being welcomed into the membership of that church. God not only speaks through godly people, but he speaks through his word. If we are quiet and we will listen. So, finally, what's the benefit to us of listening to God? People throughout the generations have been searching for truth. They've been searching for meaning, searching for who they are. And as you listen to God, those questions find their answer. It's not complicated. This is our fundamental calling, to be in relationship with God. But like Naaman, sometimes we resist doing the simple thing. We develop a hybrid faith where on one hand we say, yes, God, I believe, but on the other hand we say, yeah, but I'm not really listening to him. How do we square that circle? How do we put good intentions into practice? It comes down to the question about how serious we are about our relationship with God, how serious we are about wanting God to be the defining relationship in our life. Will God come above our own self-pity? Will God come above our ambitions? Will God come above the important relationships in our life? If we want, to be God, if we want God to be number one, if we want God to be our priority, if we want God to have that rightful place in our life, we will listen to him. We'll find the way, we'll find the place, we'll find the quietness to listen to him. God asks us, why are you here? Why are you in the state you are in? Listen to his voice in the quietness. Listen to his voice in your heart. And like Elisha, you'll soon be back on track. Let's just spend a moment in quiet. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the quietness, we want to hear your voice. We want to listen to what you have to say to us. Lord, may what I hear change my life. May what I hear change my relationship with you. And may what you say to me change how I go about my life and your work. And in doing so, may my life bring glory to your name. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.